actually find out about corrupt politicians very early. So imagine I was sitting here like, he says this man is one of his biggest heroes, but he's like a politician. What does he mean? Well, that can't be. But yeah. you did not mean politician, did you? There is a difference. Yes. Well, if you are, if you are the paramount chief, the chief over the chiefs, among the chiefs, and something like that, and you have, you have many other leaders under your command, in a way, you are a politician. To my lineage, to my family, to myself, and to you all, this work is the beginning of the rest of my life. I will see a free and fed Sierra Leone in my lifetime. No child of Africa should ever be hungry, not when our earth is bountiful like this. If you're reading or listening to this, that means I've decided to pull back one of the veils of my life and tell you a little bit about my family history. My name is Ismatu Bangura. I am a Sierra Leonean Black American, and I am also the daughter of, sorry, the granddaughter of Paramount Chief Elijah Bombolai. May he rest in peace. I want there to be a world where I never needed to bring this up. And I would really like to think that I am special enough to be an exception to the rule. I would like to think that I would have turned out this way, this fiery, this mobilized, even without politically active parentage. And I just don't know that that's true. And I think it might be disingenuous for me to pretend as such. Being born into a family where people care deeply about the fate of the world is a privilege. Now, being born to two parents that loved me and wanted me and fought for me is a privilege. Much less being born to folks in sincere positions of authority, parents who still to this day are in positions to be able to care for tens of villages at a time. It's the reason that I can help solve these problems on behalf of my tribe as a whole, and it's the reason I am certain of our success. I also think in failing to share more about myself and who I am and where I've come from, I make myself overly intellectual. As I say in essay one, I am not this way because I read about oppression in college. I am this way because life has taught me the skills of my hands. So how can I teach without talking about my teachers? How can I ask you to mobilize without sharing who and what makes me move? I've been angry on the internet in recent days a lot, and I don't like to make a habit of it. And there are many great uses for anger. I'm not saying that anger is bad or unproductive, and I certainly don't regret it. Anger is just, at the end of the day, not the force that compels me to act. Anger is not the thing that gets me out of bed in the morning. When I run on spite or righteous justice or vitriol, I notice that I burn out fast. The steady drum that keeps my hands steady my head focused, my heart beating, that's love. I am compelled by love for my community to act. I share with you today a recorded conversation between me and my father where we talk about the realities of living in Sierra Leone, a country where food insecurity is the norm for most of our citizens. We also talk about his father, less about the chiefdom and more about the kind of man he was. This will likely be my first of many conversations that I'll share about him and his life. I am I'm so blessed to have him. I have lost so many loved ones, including Grandfather Bombolai, who died long before I was born. And I am so grateful for the opportunity to love and to learn from my father in adulthood. And I want to document and share as much of that process as possible. Let me know if you have any questions you want us to answer, or questions for him specifically. 
What I am learning right now is that good organizing is transparent. It is ongoing. It is intergenerational and it is deeply personal. My skin in this game. This fundraiser is the first thing on my mind waking up and the last morsel of thought before bed. It's like I'm in love. I've been dreaming of how much my grandmother will dance when she sees what me and her son have done. Listen as my dad and I discuss the current state of things. So when you say high cost of living, yes. like you feel like the cost of living is higher in Sierra Leone than you feel like it is in the United States? Well, you see, if you're receiving the hard currency, the dollar, mm -hmm. it's not so bad. Right. But for those who don't know or have no friends or nobody overseas who is helping them with dollars, it's very expensive. Mm. So there are many families there who are not even able to put one decent meal at the table because everything is expensive. Mm -hmm. They can't afford meat, they can't afford chicken, they can't eat eggs because it's all expensive. Mm. So, well, there's no balanced nutrition and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So that's what Daniel meant when he said, well, if you're going to go to go do these things, you have to remember the high cost of living and all of that. High cost of living. Yeah. Because everything's only, uh, it's, it's too damn too expensive and it's, it's not easy to manage. Unless you have dollars, like the Leons are never going to cut it. Yes. Right. Say, for example, somebody who has a wife and uh, say four kids and a wife with him mm -hmm. for a, a family of six mm -hmm. and he makes $25 mm -hmm. a month. Mm -hmm. How is that livable? So, and, and uh, it's not even enough to buy them a 50 pound bag of rice, mm -hmm. which is their staple food. Mm -hmm. They eat rice every day. Mm -hmm. Some of them, they could have been eating a whole lot of things every day. If they haven't eaten rice yet, and you ask them whether they, 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 they have eaten, they're going to tell you no, mm -hmm. because they haven't had rice. Mm -hmm. That's their staple food. So a man with a wife and four kids cannot even make enough to buy a bag of rice, which is their staple. Well, imagine school, I mean, the regular meals, they can forget about three meals a day, even to put one decent meal mm -hmm. at the table every day. It, it, it's a problem. So how they're managing to do this, I'm telling you, they're starving, hunger and starvation mm -hmm. out there. So I said to him, I don't even want to take, even if I have it, I don't even want to take a whole bunch of money and put it in my pocket and go because it's going to be gone mm -hmm. very quickly. I'd rather put it in machinery to help the people. Uh, I'm looking for economic relief. If we put it in the machines that we are buying now to help the people, it, it will give them jobs and also we'll be able to achieve the things that we want to do, like building those desks for the school kids. Mm -hmm. You know, the agriculture thing. And so it's going to benefit a whole lot of people. So I'd rather put money in the machineries then take it with me because I can live with them the way they live. I'm from there, mm -hmm. you know. So whatever money we're gonna be making from these investments, I should be able to to have to live on the on, on some of the proceeds just mm -hmm. like alongside them. Mm -hmm. So, but frankly, 
$1,000 a month for me in Sierra Leone would make me live a very good life. Mm. But $1,000 a month in the United States? Yeah. That's, that's not even not enough for rent. But jobs that pay $1,000 a month in the United States, everywhere. Right. Even though that's a slave wage here, you will absolutely be living in poverty and you'll right. have three roommates. Right. You still have access to the structural privileges of living in the United States. There are roads basically everywhere. You have Walgreens, like even if it's expensive. How many jobs are there that give a thousand dollars a month in US dollars in based C- in Sierra Leone? In Sierra Leone? Not many. Not many. The politicians only. Oh. The politicians Business people are able to realize that. Mm. But in terms of real employment, whether in the private or public sector or government or thing or NGOs, no one, it's impossible to make $1,000 a month in Sierra Leone. You got to be based, you got to be in a job where you have access to stealing money without getting caught. Mm. Otherwise, no way. Well, imagine $500, 500 $500. So it's a system where corruption, if you want to live like a quote-unquote good life, is like necessary. Absolutely, yes. And the corruption is there anyway. That mm-hmm. one, there. I can't even begin to speak of it right now. It would not end. Well, so what's interesting is, you told me growing up that your father was a, a politician. You said like a politician. Yes. And I remember being very confused. Because in the same breath, he would say, he was one of my biggest heroes. And I used to say, I mean, like African children, we figure out quite early, like, why we're here. Why, you know, everyone at home speaks one language, but everybody in school speaks another. Right. It's not like you and mom told me about the reasons that you immigrated to this country when I was a child. Like, that came more when I was a teenager and an adult. Right. You never really even addressed your lives before me and my sister happened. Right. But sometimes you would tell me about your parents when you were children. Mm-hmm. And it sounded like, honestly, a similar life to my life in the United States. So you start to put together, okay, why are we so poor when my parents, just when they were kids, lived a life that sounds like the life I'm living here. And we find out about corrupt politicians very early. So imagine I was sitting here like, he says this man is one of his biggest heroes, but he's like a politician. What does he mean? Well, That can't be. But yeah. you did not mean politician, did you? There is a difference, yes. Well, if you are, if you are the paramount chief, the chief over the chiefs, among the chiefs, and something like that, and you, are, you have many other leaders under your command, in a way, you are a politician. But he does not work for the state. But, but that's different. No, Very different. Well, he worked for his chiefdom, not for the state. But the state... It's under the chiefdom. The, the chiefdom is under the state anyway. I'm, this is not even making sense. I need to, I need to um, write these things. Well, down. I mean, it sounds really similar to the way that indigenous lands work in the United States. Imagine the United States has the federal government. Right. And then they have the federal, and then they have the states. Mm-hmm. And then the states have the counties. Mm-hmm. It's something like that. Instead of we saying counties, we have chiefdoms. So my father was a paramount chief that presided over a big land that has several other chiefs, like 
was the boss. Mm -hmm. I will take you. I'll take you there. You, you've been to Sierra Leone twice. Unfortunately, you did not even go where I came from. You have. You had no need to go there. No. Unless to like sightsee. Your your program didn't call for that area. Yeah. So, oh, I can't wait to take you there. You can turn it off now. I can I have one more question. Okay. So, when you say that your dad is like a, um, we're not like he was a hero to you. He was very much a hero to you. Do you feel like you're still following in his example or his footsteps? In a way, he was a good provider. He was Muslim, by the way. Mm -hmm. He was a Muslim with many wives, more than two dozen wives. That example, I will not follow that. Mm. But in a way, he's still my hero in the sense that he was a fair man. Mm -hmm. Fair in the sense that when he judged cases between people who are litigating against each other, he tried not to be biased. Mm. In that sense, he was a very fair man. Mm -hmm. I witnessed some of those things myself. Mm. And uh, he was a caring, loving, truth-loving man. Mm -hmm. And he was humble. Because I don't know if I told you this, but I remember. You see, the thing is, when I was little, even if I do something, and I'm guilty because I was caught red-handed in the act, hmm. if they allow me to speak, I can free myself <laughs> with all kind of lies. <laughs> so my father knowing that, and I was always guilty, he didn't know what to do with me. <laughs> so one day my sisters lied about me, and my dad beat me up without asking. Because <laughs> he knows, as usual, I'm guilty anyway. So what's the point of going through the motions of trying to even interview me to investigate? <laughs> because. I'll be guilty and free myself if I'm allowed to speak. And he didn't have time for that that day. So, <laughs> so he whipped me good. And then the next day we went to school. And then he found out that it wasn't true. Mm. So as soon as we came from the school, he sent one of his policemen to go get me. I'm, like, I'm, I'm going there now with fear and trembling. Oh God, what did I do? What have I done? Yeah. And, the, and this was, uh, he was in court with so many, his entourage, oh. people around him. Oh. As soon as I stepped in, he went down on his knees. Mm. He said, I'm sorry, my son. Uh -oh. Okay, go ahead. So he said, I'm sorry, uh, I was unfair to you. I should have allowed you to speak yesterday. Mm. So I'm not going to make excuses. Yes, I'm your father, but I shouldn't have done that. Mm -hmm. Would you please forgive me? Mm -hmm. All the way on his knees and hands, and then he said, put, put your hand behind my head. Mm -hmm. Because for them, when somebody's on their knees mm -hmm. begging you, he put a, sign, a hand behind their head. Mm -hmm. That's a sign that, that signifies you have forgiven them. Mm -hmm. He said, put your hand behind my At the time, I was shaking, you know, because of like some of his... Uh, entourage guys, they, 
they were shocked by the behavior mm-hmm. and ran out of the court, mm-hmm. you know. So I, I'm crying. I'm like, no, Papa, no. And he held his, my hand and put it on his head, mm-hmm. you know. And then he got up and then he gave me 20 cents. 20 cents at that time was a lot of money. Do you know, okay, cube, cube sugar. Yeah. The, it's bigger than the cube sugars that I see here. Yeah, the big ones. Yeah, St. Louis. Yes. A blue box. Yes. <laughs> it's 30, 30 per row. Mm-hmm. There are three rows. Yeah. So that's 90. 90. I went and bought two of those boxes. <laughs> two of those boxes and I sucked all that sugar. I ate it all in one day. So we are talking 180 cubes. Any of my friends says to me, can I have a, can I have a sugar? I'll be like, yeah, when I was being beat yesterday, where were you? <laughs> <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't share. Can you imagine a child eating that much sugar by itself? Yes, I can. Oh my God. I share this tidbit from you from my father's kitchen because I believe my personal is political. Identity politics have gotten a bad rap since they've been bastardized by the right. Forming your politic based upon your identity was never about standing blindly by whoever shared a few characteristics with you. As the Kambahi River Collective made clear in their seminal statement, we believe that the most profound and potentially most radical politics come directly out of our own identity as opposed to working to end somebody else's oppression. All of my doing My videos, my essays, my fundraising, my organizing, my scholastic achievement, top to bottom, everything I do is compelled by a politic of love. The center of my will to act is about my love for my most beloved. I am in the fortunate position where I have adults close to me that I can look to as examples for how to invest in your own community and adults that teach me just how many ways there are to love somebody good. How economic justice is love how food sovereignty is love, how a commitment to honesty and to transparency, humbling yourself such that you are willing to learn from anyone, including and especially children, are loving acts in the highest order. As I continue my life in public, and as that life becomes increasingly political, I want to make sure that I make clear the keystone of my politic, a love that compels you to action. With all that being said, thank you so much for your donations. Thank you for getting us to the halfway mark. (laughs) There has been a section added to my link tree called financial transparency where you can see our expense set sheets, our money flow, and any financial things that we want you to know. As of today, January 21st, we are making arrangements to buy a tractor for my family. (laughs) We still need to get that 115K mark so that we can secure those rice harvesters and housing for our animals called animal husbandry under the spreadsheet. But we have done so much already. Glory to God in the splendor of the earth and glory to a love that makes people move to act in the best interest of the most vulnerable. Oppressed people will eat until we are full in our lifetime. Thank you so much for listening. And I hope that the work of your day passes through your hands with ease.